0: Morning Bridge of Hope, everyone in the Piedmont Triad, around North Carolina, Canada, uh, around the world, welcome again uh, to our Bridge of Hope service. So thankful that you are joining with us, worshiping, giving, worshiping in song, worshiping and giving, worshiping in prayer and in the word. Want to again remind you, please uh, join us if you are in the Piedmont Triad for our serve weekend next week. Uh, We will be uh, joining uh, out of the garden, uh, harvesting crops for food deserts. And on Serve Sunday, we'll be coming here singing and worshiping together and then leaving to encourage those who are shut in and sick that the Lord Jesus knows them and loves them where they're at. Amen. So looking forward to that. Let's turn now to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew again, chapter five. And we are at verse 8, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And it reads as follows. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your precious promises. They are many. They are wonderful and by your grace, they are ours. And so I pray, Father, today that as we yield to your Holy Spirit, who you have given us as a seal of our redemption, and as he fills us and richly dwells within us, I pray, God, that we would be pure in heart and that your promise of seeing you would be uh, so overwhelming Your people live in great anticipation of your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, we continue again in our introductory series of the Sermon on the Mount as we're identifying the marks of kingdom citizens as taught in the Beatitudes. And we are here at the sixth Beatitude uh, looking at the mark of kingdom citizen, purity in heart. Purity in heart. Now, we'll put an initial glance at this passage. Uh, we may come to the conclusion that Jesus is repeating himself. After all, he has already told us, blessed are those that mourn over their sins and we're aware of the psalmist that says rivers of waters run down my eyes because your people forsake the law and God we want your people to walk in newness of life obeying your word pleasing you we mourn when we miss the mark oh God and so we want to please you and so there's a mourning in us and then later on he said "Blessed are." the hungry and thirsty for righteousness. We want to see righteousness in our inner man and righteousness in our relationships and righteousness in our world. But purity of heart uh, does not mean that we are without sin. He's not saying, Blessed are those who are so pure in their heart that they have no sin. No, he's not saying that. And we know he's not saying that because of first John chapter 1 8 to 10. Look at that. First John chapter 1 8 through 10 says the following if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if we say purity in heart means we have no sin, John has already taught the church. Wait a minute. If you say you've got no sin, uh, then you're not pure because you're lying. Our purity, our, our, the, the, the cleansing that comes, comes to us as we confess sin and leave sin behind. We first have to confess it in honesty before the Lord and our brethren that we have sinned, that we have failed the Lord, that we have grieved his spirit. So that is not the purity in heart. Sinlessness is not what he is saying, although The pure in heart does mean we are pursuing righteousness and forsaking sin. But purity does not, in this passage, purity of heart does not mean sinlessness. Uh, See, though those who are pure in heart are righteous and they have put away sins in our passage, the word pure means undivided singularly focused, no rivals in our being. And the heart is not just in us, it's not like the organ, but it's our whole mind, our will, our very essence, purity in our very beings. We are unrivaled, undivided. We are not contaminated with this and that. No, there is no cool within our soul. I want you to see some passages that uh, give clarity uh, to what Jesus is teaching. And these are taught. We see first in 1 Kings 18 and 21, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. He is saying to them, when will you be pure in heart? You are divided. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? You've got to follow the Lord. There can only be one focus. Look at Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. Paul says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's one thing I'm doing. There's no question. I'm not divided in my pursuit. I'm not divided in my aim, in my ambition. I've got only one thing in my heart that's got to be done. And that is to pursue Christ. Hallelujah. He is my aim, my goal is Christ. My ambition is Christ. His kingdom, his glory, his praise. Look at James the apostle in James chapter, in James chapter four, verse eight. And notice the words he uses. Purify your hearts, you who are double-minded. <laughs> Do you see that? He says, purify your hearts because you are double-minded. In other words, You are going here and there. You are allowing sin and Satan to pull you towards this and pull you towards this. No, purify your heart. Set in your heart one thing that is priority, and that is the Lord. Don't allow these other things to pull you left and right. You know, in the DC comics, there is a nemesis of uh, Batman and his name is Two-Faced. Two-Faced had acid thrown on his face and so one part of his face is disfigured and the other part of his face is the normal face and it is the face of Harvey Dent uh, the former district um, district attorney uh, and of Gotham and and so he has a coin and and I guess it was such a traumatic accident that he had when the acid was thrown in him it it kind of sent him into a bipolar or schizophrenic uh, state and he has this coin and he flips it and if the it falls on the side of the coin that's crossed you get two-faced and if it falls on the other side that's smooth you get Harvey Dent I want you to know the believer cannot be two-faced we have to be singular in our identity. I am a child of God. I am a citizen of the king. My God is my king and my king is my Lord and Jesus is his name. The pure in heart have a singular focus. Why does Jesus emphasize this in this teaching of the kingdom? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you're reminded of the creation account and uh, Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have created humanity. Everything is well. The Garden of Eden is the kingdom of God. It is under the reign of God, and they are happy in his presence. They have one another. The Bible says they are naked and unashamed. They are living in wonderful relationship. They are regularly meeting the Lord in the cool of the day. Everything is great until chapter three tells us the crafty serpent comes. That serpent is the devil or Satan. And he comes in and he comes in with an agenda. And listen to what he says to the woman. He said to the woman, it's in verse, the last uh, few words in in verse one, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, look at this verse four, you will not surely die. Now, if God says, if you eat from the tree, you shall die. That is the word of God. There's no question. But Satan comes in to cause us to question the authority, the truthfulness the righteousness, the integrity of God himself. You will not surely die. And then he goes further on for God knows, verse five, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here's the irony. The Bible has already taught us in the first and second chapter of Genesis that we are like God. We are made in his image and in his likeness. And so we are patterned out to him in our creation, but but what uh, Satan wants us to do is he wants us to say no. We are like a God. We are like God. We are comparable to God. We can do what God does. We can control our own life. We can do what we want, and so he has created an environment of treason in the kingdom whereby he wants a rival kingdom and that's what he has set up in the world he is the prince of the air and he has set up a rival kingdom it is not a rival but he wants people to join him and he has a world after sin and the reason why Jesus is reminding his disciples be pure in heart because listen Adam and Eve were in were, were pure in heart at one point and then Satan dragged them away and came into a from a singular focus to a double-mindedness God can be here but you know I can be God too God can tell me what to do but I got other options can I tell you something if you were married, and you have a side bay, you are an adulterer. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you. If you got a side man or a side girl or whatever, you're in adultery. There's only once you are covenanted. That's it. And Jesus is telling us, "Bless are the ones whose heart belongs." To the Lord they are covenanted to. Bridge. His kingdom has one focus and one desire and one aim. And that is the glory of the king. And so we, his citizens, have one aim. One prayer. One pursuit. And that is simply the glory of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. Our king has our undivided allegiance. There are no rivals in his kingdom. How do we cultivate purity in heart? I want to tell you a few things about how we do that. One... Purity in heart comes out of the fear for God, for the God of the word. A pure heart fears the God of the world, of the word. Look, look with me at Psalm 86. In Psalm 86, the Bible says this. The psalmist says this. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Listen to this. Unite my heart to fear your name. Do you see that? Teach me your way. Teach me what? Teach me your word that I may learn your ways and walk in accordance to the truth that your word reveals. And then I, my heart, will be united and I will reverence you. I will fear you. See, I'm not united. I'm torn here. I'm tempted towards this. Come on, we got to be, listen, if we're going to be pure in heart, we got to be honest even about our temptations. And we've got to be clear, I will not worship what my temptation is trying to draw me into. I've got to be singular in devotion to the one I worship. And so I do that by giving myself to the word of God. And as I give myself to the word of God, God reveals who he is. Hallelujah. Sometimes we go to the word because we're so focused on our feeling, my circumstance, my situation. God, I need direction for what should I do? Who should I marry? Where should I live? What should I buy? What should I do this? But you know, the word of God, while the spirit can give you direction on, on, on all the facets of life that you find yourself in, the purpose of the word of God is to reveal the Lord to reveal God. We must go to the word, not merely out of chaos, but we must go to the word for life. And as we go to the word, he reveals himself. Look at what Second Timothy says about the importance of the word of God. Second Timothy 3, 15 to 18, it's a well-known passage. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, From a young child, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, with the word of God, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And this salvation that he's talking about, this salvation that he's bringing you into, it is the kingdom of God. And then he says, and the scriptures that you have known and heard preached and taught, and memorized, and meditated upon. They they have come out of the mouth of God. They are God-breathed, and they are profitable to your life. They teach you. They reprove you. They correct you. They train you in righteousness. Why? So that you, as a man and woman of God, can be complete and equipped for every good work And when you are complete and equipped for every good work, you are walking in the fear of God, walking in accordance to truth, able to be used of God according to his will. in your heart, whatever he wants, you will be able to do because he equipped you, because you see who he is. And you know that whatever he calls you to, he will enable you to do it. This is why we've got to teach our children from young the word. But we can't make the word of God something that we merely give to just children. We ourselves have to constantly be learning. And as we learn, the Lord reveals himself so beautifully to us even more clearly. Secondly, a pure heart rids itself of idols. How do we cultivate a pure heart? Ridding our hearts of idols. Our king is our God. Now, those of us in the United States, we live in a republic. And in a republic or democracy, there are always a prospective candidate that's on the rise, that's emerging. So whoever you have right now, uh, wait a couple of years, somebody else is going to say, ah, you don't need that candidate. I'm the better version now. But Christ's kingdom is not a Republic or a democracy. You don't vote your leaders in his kingdom. He is, it is a monarchy. He is the king and he sits on the throne. And in his kingdom, there are no rivals or idols just the king, King Jesus. Idols, let's clarify again, these are created things that we give our hearts towards and, and that we allow to control us. They have no power, but we give them power in that we, we, we allow them to control us, to manipulate us. You may say, Trevor, we don't have graven images like they did in the Old Testament in our homes. We don't bow down to things that we carve out of stone or wood. Uh, so if God is still teaching us that as 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 John teaches us, dear children flee idols, well, how, how do we identify idols in our lives? It's an interesting book, Max Styles. He has a book called 17 Things My Kids Taught Me About God. And one of the things that he writes in this is an advice. He said, ask yourself this question. In what ways are you dissatisfied with how God is running things in your life? If you can identify your dissatisfaction with how God is running the show, you can identify the place where you are tempted for idols to become your God. Can I tell you? You have to kill the idols in your life by making Christ your life. Because if you are dissatisfied with Christ in the area that you are dissatisfied with, you are going to allow something in that area to creep and control you. So we have to recognize that we've got to search our hearts and talk to the Lord. Lord, I, I I didn't expect to get sick, and if you're not careful, you'll worship science and the doctor. Lord, I didn't. I, Lord, I uh, uh, I've got these kids, and 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 they're so wonderful, they're so beautiful, and 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 I can't do, I can't do everything you want me to do, when when, when my kids want to do this and, this and if we're not careful, we'll worship our kids. Lord, you gave me this job and, 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 and I feel you're leading me here, but, but I've got this opportunity at my job, in my career. And if, and I'm talking about clarity. If God clearly du- directs you, but you say, no, 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 I want my job, my career to take precedence over everything, then if you're not careful, your career can become an idol. Let's be clear about this. God creates all things good, but we can turn what is good into something bad for us because we allow it become our God. In Acts chapter 5 it tells the story of a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. I'll just tell you clearly their gods became the praise of men and their own greed. The church was growing and many people were giving towards the church. They were donating money and donating land as the church was expanding. And they they were using this for the ministry and using this to provide for the poor. And, And Ananias and Sapphira noticed that people were getting recognition because they had sacrificed and they said, well, you know what, we want to be recognized. We want people to remember us too. We want them to praise us, uh, but, but we don't want to give too much. You know, we we, we want to do some other stuff. So, so I tell you what, let, let's let's tell them that we we made this amount of money. Now we made double, but let's tell them this is all we made. And they'll praise us like they were praising Barnabas. And they brought the offering according to Acts. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You didn't have to give anything. But you wanted the praise of men instead of God. See, you worship the praise of men. Don't live between the claps of people. Between the claps of men's hands. Living for whether people appreciate you. That's why I said last week, I'm concerned for our generation that we are so beholden to whether people like us on social media or agree with us or 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 or, or want to see our every. No, 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 no. We live for the glory of Christ, whether people like it or not, whether people agree with it or not, whether people see it or not. They were greedy. And they idolized the praise of men and. And the Bible said, because they lied to the Holy Spirit, the Lord made an example of them and he smote them. He killed them right there on the spot for lying in his presence. The Bible says they took him and just right immediately took him to be buried. His wife came right after with the same lie. And Peter said, we heard that lie again. And the same God, what God did to your husband is going to do to you. I don't want you to think that God's going to zap you every time that you make a mistake. But God gives us this example to teach the church, rid ourselves of idols, fear God. Get rid of idols. Be singular in who you worship. Don't worship man. Don't worship praise. Don't worship money. Don't worship career. Don't worship position. Don't worship anything but God. But God. Bridge of hope, whatever we want in this life must flow out of our pure desire to please God. Because there's only one king. And thirdly, a pure heart, those who are pure in heart, they cultivate faithfulness. Look again at that passage in Philippians. We read it earlier uh, where he said, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own thing, but one thing I do. So so faithfulness is number one, committing to what is your priority and making that. He says one thing I do and then he says forgetting what lies behind in other words there were other things i formerly were devoted to but because i have set aside this thing as supreme that's where my devotion goes and i will give my effort my energy my strength my commitment my time, my resources towards this. And he says, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching for the things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If we're going to be pure in heart, we're going to have to set our mind towards Christ and we're going to have to devote ourselves daily, daily, daily. Devote ourselves to Him. When you, when you are faithful, when you are committing to being faithful, you are taking away the things that once held, were held dear in your life. And you say, and you're closing the doors in your heart. And sometimes you are cutting, there are certain conversations. Nope, we're not going there anymore. There are certain songs that, nope, I'm not going there anymore. Can't, you know, there are some songs I can't listen to anymore because of my devotion. To Christ. Because of my devotion to Christ, I'm devoted to my wife. And because I'm devoted to Christ, I'm devoted to my wife. Songs that make me think I, it's okay to stray, I can't listen to those things. Why? Because I am devoted to Christ. I'm committed. I'm committed to him. I'm pressing on. That's how we get to purity in heart. Listen to what Joshua says again. Fear in Joshua 24, 14 to 15. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship before Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whom you will be faithful to. Choose this day. And that's what you commit your life to. And let's see the end of that life. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We are going to set Christ as our priority and we're going to serve him daily. And whatever formerly were important, they no longer have the priority in our life. The priority is one singular focus and devotion, the Lord our God. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And he lets us know here why it's so important to be pure in heart because the pure in heart, the devoted to God, the the ones who set him as their priority, that's what they want. God, (laughs) they want to see the Lord. We want to know him and love him and be loved by him and see him. And I want you to know this is what God wants for us. In John chapter 14, it's an amazing passage. Read it. And I've been meditating on it and, and look at verses 6 to 11 with me. Thomas says to the Lord, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus says in verse 6, that famous verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He is saying, If you see me, you have seen the father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long? You still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? And Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you have seen me, you are seeing God because God is at work in me. Why is this important? Go down to verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him nor know him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you and yet a little while and the world will see me no more. They will not see me because he's referring to his death and his resurrection. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. And he's saying, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, changing us, pure in heart, Righteous, humble, reflecting, merciful, reflecting our God and King. People who did not know God will see him. They will see him in us, recognizing through his holiness, you are not like us. What's at work in you? And we who Christ is forming our hearts to reflect him. First John goes on to say, and when he comes, we shall see him. We we will, they see a glimpse of God, but he says, we will see him as he is. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who are being transformed to reflect God. You're not just going to reflect him. You, Right now, you are like a mirror of God to people because when we are changed by him, they see the reflection of Christ in us. But the time is coming when we will see him. We're not going to see a reflection of him. We're going to see him as he is because we are devoted to him. Blessed are the ones who want To see God only because that's what I'm going to give to them. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. I'm going to show you him. I'm going to have you touch him. He's going to live with you. That's what second, what Revelations 22 reveals to us. In fact, in Revelations 22, it's a beautiful verse. What does it say? Verse four. Doesn't it tell us we will see him face to face? says they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Listen, the promise of the pure in heart is that God will show himself to them. Listen, when you commit your way to him, God is going to give you the desires of your heart. And the desire of your heart is to see glory like you have never known it. And it is Christ himself. That's why the Bible calls him the hope of glory. Oh, what a day that will be when we will see him as he is. But until that day comes, he gives us the Holy Spirit who helps us, encourages us and strengthens us to be faithful to him as we are walking pure in heart. And other people will see God in us and we will recognize God is in us and we will teach us and we will sit at his feet by his spirit and his word. And we will see him in each other. The day is coming. Hallelujah when he will descend and show us his glory. Today I want to pray, church, God, give us the desire for you that we might be singularly focused, undivided in our ambition, committed to the agenda of the kingdom. Father, today, Someone is here and their life is leave, is living for all kinds of pursuits, but it's leading to a dead end. But I pray today that everyone who is watching and hearing that we would devote ourselves to Christ the King who died for us because he loved us and, and purchased us from, from the power of Satan and cleansed us and, and is transforming us that we might become like him. And one day, Father, your desire is that not only will we be like your son, but we would see you. We would see you. We would know you. Lord, in this life, give us victory over temptation, victory over the things that want to pull us astray as Satan pulled Adam and Eve. Don't let it happen, God. We ask God, give us victory, grant us grace. To pull down the idols of our lives. Things that have emerged and become more powerful in us than they ought to be. Help us, God, to put them to death and to quiet them that we might hear one voice. And that voice would be yours. And you, glorious Lord, be our aim. You give us many gifts and we thank you for them may we never allow those gifts to become rivals in your kingdom may we be pure in heart devoted to you in jesus name amen blessed are the pure in heart